0: We're glad you've joined us today uh, as we continue this series being for Kankakee County. And today I'm privileged to be sitting with uh, my friend, Gary Moore. Uh, Gary is a New York Times bestselling author, uh, but there's other parts of his story that we want to unpack and unravel today. So. Gary, uh, longtime attender of Gathering Point um, and a lover of our community, uh, you, you first were best known as a best-selling author, you wrote a couple books that, that showed up, what were those, those books? And
1: uh, Playing With the Enemy was the first book, uh, Hey Buddy was the second, uh, The Final Service is the third, and I have three more under contract that will be out over the next two and a half years, if, if New York ever opens back up and the publishing world
0: ever starts again. Yeah, I, uh, who knows, <laughs> who knows on how those pieces are. Uh, what I want to talk is is you, you through this process of becoming a, a best-selling author, have become known with the, the moniker of America's Storyteller. America can't have a storyteller unless there's a local storyteller, and so in, in the process of all this, you started a local column in our local newspaper. Tell us, tell us how you began to, to do, be a part of that.
1: I was actually I was speaking at a Kiwanis event four years ago, I guess, and Phil Angelo, who had just retired from the Daily Journal, was there. And we were talking, and, and uh, he was talking about my writing. He he'd read my third book, and he'd tell me how much he enjoyed it. And I said, you know, and I admire his writing. He was, he's an excellent uh, writer for the journal for years and years. And I said, you know, I'd love to write a column for the journal. And he stopped, and he said, well, he says, I'm not there anymore, but I know the journal would love to have you write a column. He said, why don't you write one, send it to me, so I can know what it is. So I wrote the column. Uh, about. Optimism, and sent it to uh, Phil. Phil took it to Mike Fry. Mike Fry called and he said, well, he said, we got an open slot on Thursdays, so let's run it, and I said, great. And I just started writing the column.
0: So so when you're sitting down to write this column, this weekly column, what are you using for inspiration and what are you watching? I mean, uh, for those of you who haven't read it, uh, kind of bring us up to speed on, on what kinds of things you're looking for in that column.
1: Well, the column's called Positively Speaking. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm looking for anything that is uplifting, encouraging motivating things that would help people in their everyday lives it's it's newspapers have lost so much of their their readership and and i'm convinced it's because it's all negative i mean they're they're reflecting the news the news has never been negative more negative than it is today and so when people read the newspaper they don't feel very good about what they're reading and they unsubscribe and so i've been kind of telling newspapers across the world you know, hey. You, know, you need more positive content. Everything in the world isn't bad. And we need to be encouraging and uplifting to your readers.
0: So you start finding in, uh, and uh, worlds kind of collide because the four Kankakee County thing that we're talking about in your column, oftentimes the two kind of cross paths, uh, which, was, which was fascinating and uh, interesting to watch and be a part of. Uh, and then this column really takes off, and, and now it's syndicated in, in how many papers?
1: I'm in 60 papers in the United States, and uh, I think I misspoke before. I'm actually in, in seven publications in, in Australia.
0: And this all started from this local conversation where you begin to talk about some of the positive things that you have uh, been experiencing. What, what's that journey been like for you as you continue to, to, to write this column? Well, it's fun. Um, you know,
1: it's interesting because I have so many people will contact me and they'll say, Oh, you wrote this column just for me. And I know you hear that about sermons sometimes. People will say, Oh, that sermon was just written for me. Yeah. And, and God is funny in that way. Uh, because I'll have people say, Well, you wrote this column just for me. And, and my response is, No, I wrote that column just for me. Yeah. It, usually, if, if you read my columns, you know what's going on in my life. Right. And uh, I'm really writing them to encourage me and to uplift me and to motivate me. And uh, since it works for other people, that just makes it more fun.
0: Sure. Let's talk about that. You encouraging you, um, and I think this will, this will come as a surprise to some and not for others, but right now you're in the middle of a, of a great battle. Uh, what can you tell us about that?
1: Well, for the last two years, I've been having stomach pain. And I'd been to doctor after doctor, uh, and they couldn't find anything at all. Uh, finally ended up at the University of Iowa Cancer Center and uh, had a few tests. And Arlene and I were just sitting in the waiting room, and a doctor walked in, sat down, and started going through some very technical information that didn't make a lot of sense to me. I'm you know, not a doctor. Right. And so when he finished, he looked at me, and, and, and Arlene and I looked at each other, and I looked at the doctor. I said, What does that mean? He says, It means you have nine to 12 months to live, and you need to go home and get your life in
0: order. How, how do you respond to information like that?
1: Well, you know, for, first of all, Uh, My first thought is, nah,
0: (laughs) you don't know what you're talking about.
1: Arlene practically started hyperventilating and and it was, you know, by the time I got her calmed down, it started setting into me what he had just said. And then the doctor just got up and left and left us sitting there. And we think, well, is he coming back? Is he? What's the treatment going to be, whatever? And finally his nurse came in and she said, well, how'd the visitor go to the doctor? She didn't know. I said, well, he just told me that I've got 9 to 12 months to live. And she seemed shocked. She said, he said that to you? And we said, Yeah, he said that to you. So anyway, we, we left the University of Iowa. Uh but while I was still in the parking lot of the University of Iowa, I fired off a letter to the Board of Trustees, the president of the University, boom, boom, boom. And basically I told him what happened and, and I said I said, I'm not gonna die. And I'm looking for a doctor that is willing to fight with me. And I got several letters of apology back. This shouldn't have been handled this way, so on and so forth. And I got a call from a doctor named Dr. Cozy, who sounded like he was my grandson's age. You know, sounded like a very, very young guy. And he said, he said, he said come see me. He said, come see me next week. So I, w- so I went to see Dr. Cozy. He walked in wearing blue jeans and a t-shirt, and he had a whole bunch of nurses and other doctors around him. And he said, I hear you want to fight. And I said, I do. He said, then we're your team. He said, there's some very experimental things going on in the world. and he said. Uh, He said, you know what the diagnosis is, and he says, unfortunately the diagnosis is correct. He said, even though you didn't like hearing what the other doctor told you, the doctor was honest with you. He said, but we think that we can find ways to extend your life a little bit. He said, if we can buy you an extra six months, an extra two years, whatever the case may be, we can use that extra six months, two years to find an extra six months or two years and and just keep going. And he said, the thing that I want you to know is there's never been a better time which is strange but it's never been a better time in the history of the world to have cancer than it is today because we know more today than we knew yesterday and certainly more than we knew in the past. So uh, the doctor and I were a good fit. I mean he right. he's positive and encouraging. I'm you know, I'm positive and encouraging to him because I you know I want him fighting hard. And so we're you know the diagnosis is still the same. My local oncologist tells me, you know, the, the first diagnosis was wrong. It wasn't 9 to 12 months. It's actually 12 to 18 months. Uh, but I'm going to invite all of you to my five year anniversary of my death diagnosis because I'm going to be there and nobody will be surprised but that first doctor.
0: <laughs> that, that's extraordinary. So uh, uh, the whole time that you're, you're writing this, this column and this column's taken off, you're, you're fighting this very, very personal uh, battle and you're kind of writing to yourself and all these kinds of things. And I'm just kind of curious, how, how has your faith... And cancer, and and the the way you've been able to project this optimism, how does this all kind of come together and and help us un, unpack and unravel that a bit?
1: You know, my daughter's a pastor. Uh, I'm a member of an incredible church. I have thousands of people, literally, maybe tens of thousands of people praying for me, which is which is you know first first and foremost a very humbling and and interesting experience. And. And this is going to sound strange, and I don't know how to explain it, but I, I feel their prayers. Mm-hmm. And I know they're real. And, and I know that God is letting me experience that, to know that they're there. And you know, the way it's impacted my faith, it has just strengthened my faith in ways that I didn't know needed to be strengthened. Uh, before my diagnosis if somebody said are you a faithful person I say I am I am broken and imperfect but I am I'm faithful and uh, I don't think I realized how broken and imperfect I really was and how much I need my faith and how much I rely on my faith but also this realization that is it is is through God's grace I'm being carried through this Um, I've never had a day where I woke up and I was sad that I had cancer um, I've never prayed for God to take this from me. You know, I pray for my doctors, for my surgeons, for wisdom. I, I pray for, you know, a lot of things, but I, 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 God knows me. God knows my heart. God knows what I'm going through. God knows what I'm doing. And I just believe that cancer has, strengthened me in speaking to this audience that I have, and it is helping them. And so I don't want something taken from me that is helping a lot of other people.
0: Earlier you shared with me this, uh, this verse, and, and Jesus is talking to a crowd, John writes it down and he says, in this world you will have trouble. What's the rest of that and how has that begun to, to well, impact you?
1: And, and I'm suffering from chemo brain, so I actually I've got this scripture memorized, but I wrote it down because I thought I'd get here and all of a sudden start fumbling. But in John 12:27, he says, "Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour." And no, it was for this very reason I came into this hour. And I find a lot of comfort in that, that I don't want to be saved from this hour. Uh, I want to use this to inspire and help other people be safe in this hour. And I think that, you know, I just trust God that what is going to happen to me is, is going to happen to me. And you know, the, the other thing is, it's really interesting that people say, are you, are you afraid? Are you scared? Are you sad? Are you angry? And, and the thing I keep going through when they say that to me is I said, well, wait a minute, if we really believe what we say we believe, we shouldn't fear death. No, I I want no, I want to stay with my family as long as I can. But but I also know that time is a very relative thing. And when I pass and I'm I'm in heaven, I think like that, I'm surrounded by my friends and family. I, I don't I you know I, I don't know that i going to be sitting there waiting for them all to die. You know it's uh, right. uh, and so I just I just trust. I'm I want to stay along as stay stay around as long as I can. But. feel like i'm in god's grip and i'm 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 okay with that
0: so we have we have several people um not just at this church but also in our community who are right now at different stages in the cancer journey some are just being given diagnoses others uh and we also have people that have been given other diagnoses and and you're a little further along in your journey what would you say to them right now
1: Yeah, you know, there's a lot of things i would say you know first of all pray you know uh, Give it, give it to God uh, first and foremost. Second of all, don't believe your doctors necessarily. Question them. And I'm not saying that they lie to you. What I'm saying is they know the data. They don't know you. And they don't know your faith. They don't know your strength. And the um, doctor looks at your diagnosis and says, well, here are the percentages. So you're going to die. And I don't think you should allow a doctor to put an expiration date on your forehead you know i think that that's that's something between you and you and you and god and, and it's something that you can fight and and i and I, I i hear stories all the time from people who says i was i was told that i had 2 years to live one of my one of our closest friends uh, albina duggan uh, she used to live here in town they now live in cleveland but she was uh, diagnosed with liver cancer 17 years ago and given 2 years to live and she's still living so you know the doctors know the data and they know the percentages they don't know you and they can't predict the future they don't know your faith and so have faith in the fact that the, that it's that it's in it's in god's hands and in yours the attitude that you bring to the fight makes a big difference and i you know people sometimes they get aggravated with me they'll say well you know you're so positive about this stuff and I, well what is the choice and i go home right. and lay down in a fetal right. position curl up and say I'm just waiting to die, right. you know, i I, I choose, to choose to fight it, but I fully understand there are some diagnoses that a positive attitude will not overcome, right. but almost every doctor will also tell you the attitude of the patient has a big determination on the outcome. Sure. So be positive, be encouraged, uh, pray, uh, put it in God's hands, but, but believe you can beat this.
0: Gary, I just want to thank you. Um, not for just meeting with us here, but for continuing to point out all the positives that are going on in our local community and, and around because God's using that because obviously there's, there's never been a time in our history uh, where things have been so, so bleak and where people are, are so, uh, you know, their attitude every day is challenged to look at the negative or another bad report or those kinds of things. And so um, thanks for helping us both locally and, and globally begin to, to sort of raise our heads so that we can kind of see and watch God inviting us into a different narrative and future. I wanna pray with us today as we go. Um, and uh, Gary, thanks so much for, for being a part this morning. Oh, thank
1: you. And let me just say one more thing. Sure. I'll tell you that it is, uh, if you're not in a small group, get in a small group. Uh, because of my small group, I've never felt like I've lost connected to this church, even though we're not meeting, I feel that we are still meeting. Sure and the the support of that small group as part of this church has has really made made a huge difference so if you're not in a small group there's your there's your plug getting a small group
0: because you're meeting i think in a driveway or backyards and and those are those are life-giving life-giving places thanks gary let's pray father today we've heard from uh one of your servants gary and uh gary's challenged all of us to in the midst of our circumstances, no matter what they are, that that we're praying for others and we're praying that you would impact us and this abundant life that you've called us to happens in the way that we see our world and the way that you're allowing us to see it and move through us because you have come to overcome the world. So would you help us in this next week as we continue to live for you and live out our faith with our families and with those around us, would you help us to be a, a light in a world that seems like it's dark, would you help us to remember that we're the light, we're the city on the hill, and may our light be seen. We love you, Jesus. Amen.